Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. I'm Samantha Blackman, uh, an associate professor here at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana, where I specialize in digital humanities and minority rhetorics. Uh, And for this special episode, I am joined by my co-host, Alex Lane. Hello. Uh, And tonight, what we are bringing you is a wonderful interview that was conducted by Ms. Lane um, with game designer and author Sherry Grainer-Ray, who is the author of Gender Inclusive Game Design, Expanding the Market, um, and has worked uh, for companies such as Electronic Arts, uh, Sony Online Entertainment, and has been... uh, a designer on licenses like Star Wars Galaxies, Nancy Drew, uh, and one of my all-time favorites, Ultima. Uh, So without further ado, we will take you into um, our interview. Enjoy and have a great day. Hi, I'm Alice Lane of the podcast and blog, Not Your Mama's Gamer. I'm also a PhD student studying rhetoric and composition at Purdue University, specializing in gender issues in video games and the video games industry. I'm joined today by game designer Sherry Greener Ray. Sherry has worked all over the gaming industry since 1989 at companies such as Electronic Arts, Her Interactive, and Sony Online Entertainment, and on games such as Star Wars Galaxy and Ultima. She is the author of the fabulous book, gender-inclusive game design, expanding the market, and in 2004, she was named one of the gaming industry's most influential women. She has also received the International Game Developer Association's uh, Gamer Developers' Choice Award for her work with gender and games. Uh, today, she is the founder and on the advisory board for Women in Games International and the studio design director with Shell Games. Thank you for joining me today, Sherry. Thank you for having me. Uh-huh. All right. So uh, the first question I have for you is, can you describe your experience in becoming a game designer? Well, that's that's a, it's an interesting question, because when I started in this, there really wasn't any such title as game designer. Uh, back then, you basically had two types of people in game development, and they were programmers and artists. Uh, so... They about the time I was hired again in, which again was 1989, uh, they were just realizing that they needed people who could write, uh, and specifically people who could write dialogue. And so they kind of had this new category of writers. And so I was initially hired in under the job title of a writer, but really what I was doing back then was little to no different than the design work I did today. But so technically I wasn't hired as a game designer, I was actually hired in as a writer. And uh, it all started because uh, I because actually I went to a, a gaming conference, a paper game paper game D and D conference, <laughs> where uh, my group had decided that we all wanted to go. My paper game group had decided we all wanted to go to play, and there we met a fellow who was looking for a gaming group and wanted to join one, and so we invited him to join ours. And come to find out, he worked for Origin Systems. And after he'd been playing with us for three or four months, he came to me and he said, uh, Sherry, you, you write all your own stuff. You design all your own modules and adventures for this group. He says, I kind of think you're kind of a natural fit for the company I work for, and they're looking for a writer right now. Do you want to put in your resume? Hmm. 
And at the time, I was working in nonprofit health. I was working for the American Diabetes Association as the uh, communications manager for the state of Texas. And I said, well, sure, that sounds like a load of fun. And so I gave him my resume just kind of as a lark. And I gave him my some writing samples. And a week later, I had an interview with Warren Spector. And, and two weeks after that, I started my new job at, at Origin Systems as a, as a writer. Um, I always thought it would be a kind of a short term. Yeah, I'll do this for a year. It'll be kind of fun. It's a lark. <laughs> Twenty, almost twenty-two years later, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> oh, that's pretty amazing. Um, so you've worked with gender and games for a really long time. Then, uh, twenty-two years, like you were saying. Um, I didn't start off with gender and games. I actually started off just just a straight writer, and I actually got interested in the whole gender question. Um, I was at uh, working at Origin, and we had a title uh, that did not get released which is another whole big thing that happens in games, of course, is we all work on titles that don't ever get released. Mm -hmm. I was working on a title called Arthurian Legends, and uh, it had a lot of female characters in it. And we had a whole box of people who had sent in registration cards from the Ultimas, and because we had a contest uh, listed on all the boxes, it was send us your picture for a chance to star in an Ultima. Well, really all it was was an opportunity for us to get fresh faces to put into our games. Because we're pretty tired of putting ourselves into the games over and over. (laughs) And so I was picking through this box of pictures looking for as many girls as I could, and I realized that we actually had quite a few of them. And uh, more so than I thought than most of the other games out there at the time had. And I I became very interested in that. And and so um, uh, I I started looking into, because I didn't understand why more girls didn't play our games, because I really enjoyed them, and I really enjoyed you know, Dungeons and Dragons and things, obviously. And so that kind of started me down the road of, you know, well, why don't more girls play these games? And so that's where I, uh, that's where I started. So, so it was a couple of years after I started in games that I really kind of said, let's, let me kind of take a look at why more girls aren't playing these games. Okay. So have you met uh, resistance to, to that type of work, to those, your type of suggestions? (laughs) All the time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What uh, what kind of stuff do you do you recall? Oh, oh, just it, it's uh, it became a joke there when I was when I was back at Origin. It became a joke for a while because uh, I became known for continually asking. But what if the player is female? Sure. What if the player is female? I asked it all the time in every design meeting we had, and at first they thought it was kind of funny. And and then they kind of got irritated at me, sure. and then they started having design meetings and not telling me, and I would have oh, to go find. Yeah. Sherry would be playing Hunt the game design meeting because all of a sudden I'd realize that the other designers around me weren't there, and I'd be like, "Where did everybody go? Oh, they're having another meeting, and they didn't tell me." And so I'd have to go hunt up the meeting. Oh man, do you <laughs> so, think yeah. it was because they, you know, didn't know how to incorporate your ideas, or were didn't think women actually played, or? Oh, I was told over and over at that time, women don't play computer games. Sure. So why why should I care? You know, what? why should I care about female players? They don't play our games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was pretty, I was told flat out, not, you know, not just by the people that I worked with, but by everybody in the industry. Well, girls don't play games, so why should we care? Right. Um, so you were a game writer at the time that you were mm-hmm. working there? Uh, it was, were there other women that worked there as well, um, do, doing game writing or anything? Uh, one. There was one other uh, female designer there. Uh, yeah, there was one other. Uh, it was a co- by the time I by the time I was laid off from uh, or from Origin, the company was about three hundred and fifty people, I think, mm-hmm. and I think we had less than thirty women, okay. right around twenty five women, I think. Okay. 
So yeah, there was one other gal that was that was uh, doing game game design and game writing with me at the time back then. Okay. But the rest were all very definitely all definitely guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some statistics recently that say women in HR positions in the gaming industry have a pretty decent representation, you know, 40 or 50%. But then when you get down into programming, it's less than 5%. Oh, yeah. Um, so do you know, do you, or do you have any experiences about the lack of women actually making these games that stick out to you? Well, it's a real interesting thing. There's, there's, this is, of course, it's not a simple question. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons why, and it's not always. I mean, everybody wants to jump to, well, that's because the, the games are only for guys, and so there aren't any girls playing it. So why would girls want to make them? But it's actually we're seeing that a little bit less because we have the whole rise of the the social gaming and the Facebook yep. gaming, which is predominantly female. And <clears throat> we're having more and more young women that are growing up playing games. So we're seeing that's less and less of an obstacle. But what the really weird thing is, is that girls, women don't, they don't see the game industry as a potential career path. Sure. So when you go up and you ask a girl, what do you think about playing, about making computer games, it, it, they blink because it's, it's, it's not that they looked at it and went, no, I don't want to do that. It's that it never even showed up on their radar. It's something they uh -huh. never considered. And so we've got this tremendous outreach. And this is part of why Women in Games was, uh, International was founded, is we really need to do <clears throat> quite a bit of outreach and let girls know, let them see women in the industry, let them see role models to say, yeah, look, there is a place for girls in games. And uh, we want you here. Uh, and, and a raise, basically, uh, we have to do a lot of awareness raising. Sure, sure. And I, I think a lot of the outreach stuff that you guys have done has become pretty pervasive. I think most people um, are aware of those types of movements, which is really good. Do you think that's had an impact on how many women work in the industry? Because it seems to be getting better. I don't know if you think it's too slow or... It's way too slow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely getting better. There's no question we're seeing more women coming into the field. Um, it's not as... We're still, I think, last number I read was, I think, somewhere around 11% right. uh, female, which is not near what I would like it to be. Mm -hmm. But I think... I do think we're going to see it continue to improve with the, the schools now offering programs uh, and things like that. I, I think we're going to continue to see it improve. And that's... Yeah, can't, it can't go fast enough for me, but hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so a lot of the times, uh, it sounds like the things you're talking about um, are are pretty explicit in like not inviting you to a meeting and so and like oh, moving yeah. it somewhere else. Um, <laughs> so is there any sort of like explicit discrimination that you've faced because of gender? Um, in addition to that. Um. Well, yeah. There's there's been quite a bit. It's it's, it's funny. I don't. I don't usually tell war stories. Uh, uh -huh. I have often found that telling war stories causes people to, to, to refocus on some of the anger and frustration that we felt when we started this whole movement. And sure. that's not necessarily a productive emotion to dwell on. Uh -huh. uh, but I, I have had, I've, I've been, I, I've, a couple of times, I've, different companies, I've gone through full interviews uh, just to have them at the end of the day the CEO called me in and said, well, you know, you, you, you seem to have a lot of experience. You seem to have the skill set, but you know, we just don't think you can make real games. Sure. 
and and I've also been told, you know, we, we just think you're really great and you've got a lot of experience, but we really we really don't want to do anything to upset the camaraderie of this office, all this all male office. So yeah, I've been told flat out those things. Just right. flat out those words. And and sometimes just as recent as, you know, five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about something that happened in the you know, twenty years ago. We're talking about stuff that happened in the last five years. So yeah, it it goes on all the time. Yeah, people. I think people like to think maybe that it's you know it was twenty years ago and that it doesn't <laughs> yeah. really happen very often. But sure, I, I but I can see your point about not dwelling on those bad experiences and instead um, making those movements to progress things rather than. Well, and there's a reason too for that. Um, this is I I did a big talk out at uh, I keynoted in fact the Develop Conference out in the UK and I, I did a talk on this here uh, at the GDC conference last year. Is that. Um, we seem to have a backlash happening right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have been told that talking about gender is old news. It's not anything that needs to be talked about anymore. And of course, of course, it does need to be talked about. Uh, but I think a lot of what has happened is when we started this whole thing, this whole women in games, all this stuff, we used, we used this anger and this frustration as a way to kind of bind us together to help us find our voice and to give us the strength and the courage to step up and say, hey, you know, pay attention to us, pay attention to our concerns. Uh, But if you continue to use that kind of anger and frustration, people start to shut you out. They don't want to hear that because they'll say, look, you know, look at this. We've got, you know, 70% of casual gamers are women. Uh, Look at that. That's that's progress, right? Look, we've made the rules about the booth babes at Mm -hmm. E3. You know, look at these things. And you're still angry? (laughs) Why are you still angry? And so we have to, instead of coming across as angry and frustrated, we have to concentrate on on the positive side of things and, and putting out a positive message of here's why you need to continue to consider looking for women. Here's, you know, here's, and we need to, we need to own our successes. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when we have women in the industry that do good things, we need to celebrate that and, and, and bring it up so that people know. Um, there's, I get really tired of some of the, the bigger conferences when I ask them why they don't have any female, whether they're not, why they're not looking at females to keynote. I've been told, well, there aren't any females who have done the kind of accomplishments that these guys have that will right. have the draw factor, which of course is, is, is patently untrue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but so we need, but that's kind of in our court, that's kind of in our, our fault. We need to celebrate these successes. We need to own them. Own them. Sure. Oh, I think that's fabulous advice. Um, so, uh, speaking of the uh, of you talking about old news um, as gender <laughs> games, I have this quote here from your blog that you wrote about twenty years in gaming, and you said, "I remember very distinctly the day I made a deliberate decision. Uh, I knew that going to bat for women in games would probably be the, the death knell for my career. I knew that it would label and pigeonhole me. However, I do not think I realized what exactly that meant." I know I didn't expect the name-calling and the complete ostracization by many men and women in the industry, and I certainly didn't uh, expect to ever be referred to as old news, as I hear I am being referred to now when I apply to speak at conventions. It's particularly disturbing when there are still so many issues surrounding gender and ethnicity in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a couple questions about that. Do you, do you think uh, going to bat for women negatively impacted your career as you oh, thought it might? Oh, of course it did. Absolutely, it did. Um, I, I, I tease. I, I can be the single greatest conversation stopper at the conference. I, there literally <laughs> will be groups of guys I will walk up to and they stop talking. <laughs> it's oh, like, oh okay. God, here comes Sherry again. <laughs> you, know, you know, they know I'm going to say something. You know, when they've done, you know, when they've done something just really blatant in one of their games or something, they know I'm going to walk up and ask them to defend why they did it or ask them what happened. Sure. Uh, so yeah, there's no question. Um, 
there's no I became known as that, you know, oh oh there goes the the you know, women in games girl, you know. Oh, don't say anything wrong around her. Uh, I I know I for a while there uh I gained a kind of a stigma in the industry of being difficult to work with because of it. Oh, sure. And, and I don't think I was being difficult to work with. I just am going to continually ask, but what if your player is female? Right, right. And, and that, that can, you know, that, that got me labeled as difficult to work with. Right. I remember you, you wrote once about um, hiring people like yourself. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, that sort of idea in the gaming industry that you only want people there who think like you. Um, so I imagine that you sort of break some of that up. Yeah, that's that's uh, that whole hiring. That's the whole hiring process of our industry, which really needs. It's not just our industry too. It's it's a lot of tech in general, mm-hmm. uh, where they run. They'll they'll interview somebody and they'll bring them in and run them through the entire team, do a whole team interview, but they never tell the team what to look for in the candidate. They'll just tell them, see if you like them. Sure. Well, if you're asking people to hire people that you like, what you end up with is a homogenous team, because people like people who are just like themselves. Right. Right, and exactly. so they, they're never they're never instructed to hire outside their comfort zone. They're always they always said, "Oh, I'll just see if you like them," which is just, you know, I I don't look like them, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, right. yeah, absolutely. So that seems like a pretty pressing issue than the hiring um, oh, yeah. processes. Do you do you have any other ones um, for for people who want to focus in gender and games, like pretty like ones that are more pressing than others right now that you can think of? Any issues? Well, hiring is a big one. As I said, not only is the interview process, but where they put ads. You know, oh, if you put your ads in Game Developer Magazine, which is a predominantly male readership, you're not going to get any female candidates. Right, right. That makes sense. Because <laughs> a lot of them will come to me and say, gosh, Sherry, how do we find female candidates? It's like, well, you know, what have you been doing? Oh, we advertise in Game Developer Magazine and Gamma Sutra. Ah, well, <laughs> uh, there, I see your problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we got we have to start looking at, in hiring. Oh, there's so many. There's so many ways. In hiring in general, we have to start looking at skill sets rather than flat experience mm-hmm. because if you come up and you say we need somebody with 10 years experience well that already narrows your your candidate pool down so far and particularly sure. if you look at how many women were making games 10 years ago right you know the chance of you finding females in your candidate pool is just slim and none so you know you got to be willing to open up your qualifications to skill sets beyond just years in the industry you know things like that Right. Absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you, um, like you were saying, it did, you believe it did negatively impact your career to talk about gender in games or talk about it persistently. Um, so what, why did you ultimately decide to start speaking out? Somebody had to. Honestly, that was my thinking. Somebody had to start the ball rolling. Somebody had to do it. I, I was watching an industry that I loved with making products that I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm a gaming geek, man. I'm a 40-hour-a-week gamer. <laughs> right. I'm not playing computer games. I'm playing paper, paper you know, tabletop role-playing games. I have a weekly gaming group that's the same guys, same group that I've GM'd for 14 years. That's how serious a game geek I am. And so I watched this industry that I love just making terrible mistakes and basically, you know, cutting off their nose to spite mm-hmm. their face because I knew the female market was there and I knew it was very lucrative and had money to spend. And I watched them slam the door on that market and I just couldn't stand by and watch that happen. And so somebody had to do it. And so I, I did. That's, that's excellent. Um, and I think many of us are very, very glad you did because uh, it allows me to certainly do the work that I'm, I've spent my life doing. Um, 
because other people started it. Um, so, so right now I'm working with policies um, in the gaming industry uh, specifically that might influence women's experiences working there. Um, so I was wondering if you found like ever encountered a policy particularly that stuck out to you um, that like maternity leave or sick leave or sexual harassment or promotion policies or anything like that. Specifically, that are specifically uh, exclusive. Um, you know, or even maybe just like a general feeling you get about some sort of policy. Well, the whole quality of life issue is always very, very difficult when we're dealing with, with female candidates. Um, because as we know, women do not have the amount of leisure time Mm-hmm. that men do, although that that number is getting closer together. I, I just read a recent study about that, and that's it's it's good to see that that number is. Women still carry the majority of the housework, although that number is getting closer too, which is another good one. But still they do, and they still carry the, the majority of the child work, child care work. Right. So um, women don't see home as a place of rest. They see home as a second workplace. Sure. And so when you're asking women to work crazy amounts of overtime and ex- and telling them that it's expected, you're cutting into, first off, a smaller amount of leisure time that they have, but you're also cutting into their time that they see as for their other job, which is taking care of the children and the house and, and things like that. And so those that incredible pressure to do the extreme hours and to do the extreme work like that is is definitely i mean it negatively affects everybody don't get me wrong sure but it is certainly a barrier for women when they're trying to get into the industry or thinking about coming into the industry is they're like you know i, I can't do that i've got to you know i got to be able to take the sick time off when i've got a sick child and you know things like that so so that's that's always been a problem hmm. um okay so my last question for you is uh, you've worked in many game companies over the years. Um, you've been working with these types of issues for a long time. Um, and if you were to advise companies on how to better attract female game designers, I know you've mentioned a few, you know, figuring out better advertising, um, but some specific advice um, for companies, what do you think they should do? What would you advise? Uh, they need to broaden where they're looking for their mm-hmm. candidates. They need to look outside of the traditional channels for their candidates. They need to go find the women. Because remember what I said, women, for women, the game industry is not on their radar. It's, it's not that they discount it. It's that they simply don't see it. So they have, if you want women and actually minorities in general, you have to go out and recruit for them. You have to go look for them because they're not going to come to you. So that's the first thing I would tell them to do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Your, yeah, go out and find your candidates. Uh, you need to look at the, look at your physical workspace. Hmm. Uh, I cannot tell you how many times I've been told that the pornographic magazines left in the art cubicles are there for uh, for uh, anatomy studies. Right. Oh, <laughs> Which, of course, we all know exactly what that is. That's baloney. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. Oh. So clean up your workspace. You know, you don't want anything laying out that you wouldn't want your grandmother looking at sure. or seeing on your desk. So clean the workspace up. Make sure that it is, it's friendly and, and, and welcoming to all people. Um, and then of course the third and final thing you need to do is look at your products mm-hmm. you know if, if you're putting the, the bikini chainmail bikini babe on the cover of your box and then have those boxes set up in the, in the entry is that you know a woman coming in there is she going to be comfortable coming to interview at a place like that sure sure that's not, probably not the first thing you want to see when you walk into a new job <laughs> yeah absolutely yep. okay well thank you very much for letting me interview you today um, well, sure, no problem. It was very enlightening. Is there anything else you wanted to add? 
Oh, shoot. Like I said, I could talk about all this kind of stuff forever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. No, I, anything, uh, any other questions you have for me, I'm happy to answer. Okay. Um, well, that can, that can end our official uh, interview if you want, but I, I just have a couple um, not official ones. Uh, sure. So as I'm going forward and trying to talk to women, a, a lot of the stuff I've been reading about doing studies says that, that it can be damaging for women who are a minority, especially like a drastic minority. Um, it can be it can be hurtful to go in and sort of shine the spotlight on them and be like, you know, you don't belong here. So how do you feel about that? Um, so I'm trying to find a way that I can talk to women without sort of pointing and pointing at them. You know what I mean? So do you have any advice for how... So like, are you talking about how, when you say pointing to them, you mean like calling them out in public or... Well, so, well, well certainly not, but I think... Um, for the stuff that I've been seeing is like that you need to sort of put on a thick skin when you go into these environments and sort of cast yourself as as one of the guys or as whoever. Uh, only with. if you want to be co-opted. Sure. <laughs> I refuse to be co-opted. Right, right. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, you. I, I, and that is a survival mechanism, don't get me wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's one of the interesting things. I always say that the women who come to listen to my talks – fall into one of three categories. One, they hear what I'm saying, they, they get on board and they they become, you know, they become part of, they understand and that right. that's great. And then the, the, the second category are the ones that, um, they will tell me, I don't see anything wrong. I never see anything wrong. You know, the guys all treat me like a little sister. They all treat me like one of the guys. Everything is fine. Right. And that usually lasts about five years or four years until they start seeing all the guys around them getting promoted and they don't. And then they get angry. Ooh, boy, do they get angry. And then the third group, the third group are the ones that walk away. And, and usually they're very, very co-opted. They have adapted uh, into the male culture very strongly. They act like one of the guys. Mm-hmm. And they, they, and by hearing what they, and, and they usually attack me. They'll tell me that I'm wrong. They don't see anything of that. And they'll get, they get very snarky and usually will walk away and write ugly things in blogs and stuff like that. And usually that's a case of I'm, I am, I am attacking their survival mechanism. If I start pointing out these facts, then they, you know, that they, they have survived by adapting to those kind of work environments rather than, and, and even though they're not going to get the promotions and they're not going to get the raises and things that their male co their male cohorts do, they, they still will attempt to live just exactly like the guys. And so I'm, I'm a threat at that point. So that's basically the three kinds. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, do, do you see uh, one being more prominent than the other? Um, kind of depends upon, this is really weird, but it kind of depends on how old they are and how long they've been in the industry. The younger ones oh. tend to fall strongly into the, I'm, they treat me like their sister, little sister, and they all love me. And it's, you know, what they don't realize is they're basically saying they treat me like a mascot. Sure. But, yeah. but, they, but they like that and they like that attention from the guys and mm-hmm. they like being treated like a little sister and, and, and they think it's fun and cute. And so I would really say a good number because we have a young workforce, I tend to see a, probably more of, of that. Uh, than I do any either of the other two. Although finding when once I get a chance to really talk to them, I'll a lot of, mostly I can get them to see my point of view, and then mm-hmm. they'll they'll kind of come over. But uh, mostly the young ones, or the new ones in the industry, are like, oh, the guys treat me like their little sister, and everything's fine. They just treat me like one of the guys, and I'm like, oh boy, that's not gonna last very long. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. Um, and then uh, what was the other question? Oh yeah, I I just uh, was really interested in what you said about. Um, more women coming in because of the social games 
Um, and I didn't know if like anecdotally or experientially you have seen some of the bigger companies, um, sort of changing the way they do things because women are being legitimized in this other industry that's making, you know, good money. Um, I do see them looking for female designers. Shoot, they knock on my door all the time. <laughs> really? Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of them want to hire me. Um, but uh, I know that they're looking for female designers more because they do understand that they need female designers to to reach out to their female audience, but also to teach them how to design. I, I will never say that guys can't design for, for girls any more than girls can't design for guys. Mm -hmm. I think anybody can design for any audience if you're really a good designer. That's what we do. Sure. Um, but they, you may need somebody to teach you and to show you. And so they, a lot of times I think they're looking for female designers to help them learn how to design for that predominantly female market. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm seeing it there for sure. Um, I know that the schools are actively looking for more female students. And mm -hmm. I know that they do active outreach for that. And I think we're going to see some coming in from there as well. So, yeah. yeah. It seems to me like the stigma even – you know, in the last like 10 years has changed about ga women gaming has changed a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I see, I see my students, my women, my female students often don't see themselves as gamers, but they game all the time. They're just on Facebook games. And I love that. that that's, that's been a problem we've known for, for the last 15 years is that women who play games often don't refer to themselves as gamers. Mm -hmm. So they, they can't count themselves out of any, survey or or questioning or anything that you know well i'm not a gamer so i don't you know i don't count don't count me in that they don't it's almost like they don't want to be gamers right which i think is really interesting and yet they play this goes back to when we had women that were playing tetris you know 10 <laughs> hours at a time <laughs> but oh no i'm not a gamer i'm certainly not a hardcore gamer right right <laughs> and i wonder oh yeah i wonder uh if that hooks up to what you were saying about how we have different types of demands on our time as women mm-hmm so, um, oh, so. for sure it does with the Facebook games. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, why do why does people play the, play the Facebook games? Or why do women play the Facebook games? It's because they can play them on well conference calls, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and 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 uh, they can play it at their desk for jump in for five or ten minutes and and you know that kind of stuff. But they don't, you know, they don't have time to sit down and and you know play six and a half hours of World of Warcraft. Even though World of Warcraft, at last count had a 30 to 35 percent female audience yeah that's fabulous that's great yeah that's great so but even so you know the, the you know, women who are playing facebook are all over 30 and they're all at their jobs you know mm -hmm. and they got to be able to shut them shut that game off quick when their boss walks in yeah <laughs> you know to play for five minutes on a phone conference call yeah that's always fun because I, I, people always snicker when i say that but when i do talks i'll say okay all right how many of you in here have played Facebook game during conference calls and I'll see all these tentative hands go up and it's like everybody does it. Come oh on. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay. Well again, thank you so much for talking sure. to me. It was really helpful. Yeah, um, if you have any other questions or anything, just drop me a note. Yeah, that would be great. I'll, um, I'm, I'm going to use some of this um, transcript for my prospectus before my dissertation. Um, sure. And then uh, Sam and I sort of talked about putting some of it on, um, on our, not your mama's gamer. Um, website sure. but i'll uh, i'll send you anything before i i put it up to get your to get your approval oh right. yeah yeah that'll be great okay great right. thank, well, good thank luck and thanks for talking to me yes thank you so much all right we'll talk to you later Bye bye